Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Vegas Therapist. I'm your host, Ryan Winder. Remember, what happens in Vegas is not staying in Vegas as I bring you helpful tips for life with the Vegas twist. Let's start the episode. Hey everyone, welcome to The Vegas Therapist Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Winder, and today's episode is going to be on social media, which is the good, the bad, the ugly. Mainly, probably focus on the bad and the ugly parts of it. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of good that can come from social media. I mean, just the very fact that I'm able to get this podcast out to people is part and part a function of social media. Um, But I've just been thinking a lot about social media lately. Um, And you know, and kind of the impacts that it has on the people around us. Uh, I recently attended a um, a speaking event by Colin Karchner and heard his take on social media, and it just gave me, again, a lot to think about, especially with our youth and the increase in anxiety and depression with them. Um, there's a great article or some great articles in Time Magazine recently about the increase in anxiety and depression in our youth. And so a lot of that you know, is tied into social media. So I want to focus a little bit on that with our young people, but as well as um, I also want to bring some attention to male depression and social media and the things I see in my practice via that, um, which I think will be hopefully insightful and enlightening to us. Um, so let's get started on this topic. You know, again, you know, the, the idea of social media, I mean, obviously it's something that we're all inundated with, with Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, those various models. I remember when I first moved to Vegas, um, you know, 18 years ago, obviously social media was not a thing back then. Um, But, you know, one of the things that social media provides us with is the ability to kind of glare into the lives of celebrities, you know, and I'm guilty. I I feel, you know, this celebrity sense of woo-ness when I, when I, think about, you know, different celebrities out there or try to get pictures in, or windows into their um, lives. You know, some of that's maybe even sports stars and stuff like that. Um, but I get captivated by that a little bit and kind of draws me in. And so, you know, back when I moved to Vegas, I just, you know, that was one of the exciting parts about moving here. I was like, oh, maybe I'll run into some celebrities or be able to catch a glimpse of somebody or whatever it might be. Um, obviously, back then, we didn't have smartphones or things of that nature so that we weren't able to capture those moments. But I remember walking into a P.F. Chang's restaurant and there sitting at the table across from us was Tiger Woods. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is a, this is awesome. Um, but again, didn't have a smartphone or anything to capture that moment. Um, but I have a few few of those occasions where it's like, you know, you run into somebody and you feel like, oh, this is awesome. And, you know, of course, now people post that on Instagram or they post on Facebook that they've run into somebody. Obviously, here in Vegas, you know, that that can be an occurrence that happens a little bit more regularly where you run into a celebrity or somebody of that nature. I mean, heck, even coaching Little League Baseball. I was coaching my son's baseball team a few years ago. And, um, you know, the opposing coach at the time of one of the teams we played was Aaron Rowland, who was a major league star. And uh, here you are. It's like, wait, wait a second. Okay, the opposing coach is Aaron Rowan that used to play for the Phillies and the White Sox and the Giants. And it's like, should I ask him for his autograph or should I just be a coach? Um, so anyway, but it's kind of fun. I mean, you get those, you get some of those opportunities. Um, I remember during the game, um, 
you know, there was like the second inning or something and their pitcher was in trouble and he'd walked a few guys and Aaron Rowan came out to do a, a mound visit. And I th- I'm pretty sure the mound visit went on for like 10 minutes and I was kind of like, what is going on? This is not typical for a mound visit or at least that the umpires will let you get away with that long of a mound, mound visit. And I remember I kind of just looked at the umpire and shrugged my shoulders and was kind of like giving him the what what's up type of thing. And the the umpire looked back at me and kind of, shrugged his shoulders back almost just to say dude it's Aaron Rowan like he's gonna I'm gonna let him talk as long as I as long as he wants to so anyway that's that's I, I guess the the price of coaching against a, a former MLB star slash celebrity um anyway that 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 maybe digresses a little bit into some of the things I want to get into but the idea of, of celebrity and kind of you know even being in Vegas and and having some of those opportunities you know, I think one of the things with our youth is what I've seen is that, you know, some some kids that I've had in my practice, they go to school with some of these people or these, some of these people's kids. Um, in fact, I mean, there's a private school here in town that a lot of wealthy people send their kids to. And um, Dana White, the, the owner of the UFC, uh, he has a son that goes to that school. Um, you know the the Furtadas, which is a big name in town because they own the station casinos. They have kids that go to school here, or that same school, and so people are kind of you know they they go they they have connections to these kids and they're they're with them, and obviously in in realms of social media, it's like you know we think about the comparisons that go on and you know how we see people's lives and things of that nature. Well, you know again these these people are going to school with our kids. And it was interesting, I had a client a while ago that was telling me about, um, he was actually invited to both of these people's 16th birthday parties. So Dana White had a kid that had a 16th birthday party, and the Furtadas had a daughter that had a 16th birthday party. And so you can imagine it was quite the to-do if you were invited to this party. Um, For the, the Dana White's party, I didn't really get a lot of details on that one. Um, I just know that it was, you know, something where they had these special invitations and, you know, if you got the invitation, you know, you show up at this location and then once you're at this location, then they secretly took you to another location to where the party was really going to be to kind of keep it, you know, anonymous or some anonymity to it or whatever. But it was this big to do and all these different things. And so obviously there's I'm sure everybody that was there was full fledged into their social media and taking pictures. Um with the Furtada one, the details I got about that from my client were more about, you know, um, just how uh, basically the party was at the Red Rock Casino and not at a room at the casino, but like at the Red Rock Casino, you know, in terms of like just the the totality of it. I mean, they kids pretty much had access to the Red Rock Casino, to the food, to everything. And, um, you know, and then they had... Um, music there but like not just ordinary music not like dj music but like real dj music like marshmallow i i didn't know who marshmallow was at the time but apparently um i had to look it up and marshmallow is a famous dj and then they had the chain smokers there and so it was like this 16th birthday party that was quote-unquote off the chain or off the hook or however kids say it today um and i'm sure like i said again on social media this this was probably if you were there taking pictures and you know showing that you're there and and feeling good about yourself if you're a part of that 
But when I think about that, I think about, well, what if you're on the other side of that? Well, one, if you're a kid that's not there and you're thinking about, man, what am I missing out on? Or even if you're a kid that's there and then you have a 16th birthday party coming up and you're thinking, what am I going to do for my 16th birthday party? What are my parents going to do for me? Like, what, what can I do that's even relative towards this? I don't know about the rest of you, but my 16th birthday party was nothing like this. Um, I think my parents let me get my driver's license for my 16th birthday party. I think that that was a gift. Um, but as far as, you know, some big shindig or thing, something of this nature, I mean, this is just in a different, different league. But these, you know, but our kids are exposed to this via social media. Whereas, you know, back when I was growing up, even if these things existed, it's not like we ever knew about them or heard about them because they just, there was no avenue to let them be known. But now it's like, we know, I mean, there's kids that we know that are a part of this or that are going to these parties. Plus, it's out there on social media for other kids to see and then think about and internalize, well, what do I want for my 16th birthday party? Or, or, or my 16th birthday party wasn't that big or that special or that whatever. So now I feel bad or worse because of that. So, you know, these are some of the things that the, the, the social media aspect have created, you know, as far as just the feelings of like comparison, the feelings of like, you know, what we have in our life or what, what's good for us doesn't seem to be good enough. And so you have kids fixating on that and wanting to have better or have more or have, you know, like a different life. And so obviously they're going to feel more depressed. Um, you know, one of the things that kind of got me thinking about this topic was a quote that I saw, surprising enough, on Facebook. Um, but the quote was from actually Bill Murray, um, the actor Bill Murray. And he said, social media is training us to compare our lives. Instead of appreciating everything that we are, um, that's basically what it's doing to us. So we're comparing rather than appreciating. And then he goes on to say, no wonder why everyone is depressed. And, you know, I think he's definitely onto something there as far as just what some of the, the negative things that can kind of come out of, of social media with just the comparison that we have of our lives to other people. And then, like he says, instead of us just sort of like appreciating the things that are good about what we have, you know, we think about, you know, what we don't have and we think about, you know, the negative stuff or the lack of or whatever when when really what we do have can be pretty good. And so, um, you know, again, depression is definitely a fallout from that. And and, you know, as I mentioned earlier about the, the, the increase in depression and anxiety in our youth, I think there's a lot of tie into, you know, what they're seeing on social media and how they're comparing themselves. I know young women um, are a big target for that. Um, young women like teens, you know, where they get onto Instagram or Snapchat and they see different pictures of models or women who are trying to look perfect or appear perfect or whatever it might be. And then they're comparing themselves to, to those images and, and then feeling like they're lacking or they're not good enough. And so again, the depression comes of that or anxiety comes of that and even thoughts of suicide and you know I can never be that you know we'll, we'll start to you know plague them as a result of you know what they're comparing themselves to as opposed to again just focusing on their own beauty and their own sense of qualities and their their own strengths it's just this constant need to want something else or to want something more and so it's hard to feel happy and fulfilled that way 
You know, and, and kind of taking it back to Bill Murray's quote, you know, I think a lot of us, when we read that, we think, you know, that's, that's really true. You know, there, there's a lot of truth in that and we can see it. But then I think, you know, what we end up doing is we just sort of like, you know, we have that thought, but then we continue to scroll on Facebook or we continue to, you know, scroll down on Instagram and just kind of forget about it. Because if it's not really in our minds, maybe impacting us, we don't really take the time to see, you know, where it could be impacting us or maybe how it could be impacting our kids. Um, and so unless we've had a, you know, a specific experience with that, or we've had a kid struggle with depression or anxiety, um, or know somebody that's gone through that with their kid or their own, you know, maybe adult, um, then I think we just kind of roll with it and be like, oh, well, you know, social media is just a part of life. And, you know, it's just something that we do. And, you know, if you, if, you know, just kind of like, just sort of play it off or justify it out. Um, so one of the things that, you know, I really wanted to try to bring attention to today is just how, like, that we really need to take a step back and really look at not only our own, uh, like our kids, I guess, viewing of social media, but our own, you know, because again, you know, adults are impacted by this as well. And in particular, I think, you know, my work with males have, have you know, husbands, fathers, um, some of their impact on social media is social media is kind of can be a little bit more indirect, but it's still definitely there um, because, you know, what I see. And, you know, again, some of it could be via their spouse where it's like their spouse is wanting this life that they see their friends having in social media. And so then they put the pressure on their spouse to kind of give them those things. Um, you know, and then they want that fantasy life and then it just kind of, it goes from there. So just to kind of give you an idea of how this plays out for me is that, you know, so I get a guy come into my office, you know, he's either reporting depression or some type of substance use or maybe even both. And as we kind of delve into his story, you know, typically there's a great deal of stress, both financially from overspending, lots of debt, um, you know, and, 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 and when we're talking debt, I mean, it's like tens of thousands and even sometimes up into the hundreds of thousands of debt that they've now incurred as a result of trying to live this life. Um, so obviously they're spending money they don't have to try to provide a life that they can't afford. So whether it's on trips or cars or going out um, with their spouse or private schools for their kids, it's like there's just no no button for them, you know, and or there's no sense of, hey, we can't afford that or you know, that's not going to work this time, whatever it may be, just there is no sense of no. Um, and, you know, it's just like this sense of like, okay, well, I'm not going to say no, because I want you to feel good about your life, or I want you to feel like you can have whatever you want. So okay, here it goes on a credit card, or, you know, or, or I'm going to go have to open up a new credit card to put it on or whatever it might be. Um, you know, it's just kind of like in their mind, it's like whatever it takes to make the family happy or to maintain this image, you know, because all of our friends are going on trips or sending their kids to private school or getting new cars or whatever it might be. And so now they're just, the, the snowball is just accumulating and it just is continuing to go into, you know, and they're continuing to work themselves further and further into this hole that they, they just, they just feel trapped in. And, and like I said, I mean, you know, some of it obviously is a sense of a male's need or desire to want to provide for their family, um, to want to prove themselves that they can be a good provider. But again, I think a lot of that internal drive is that they're on social media too. They're seeing people go on trips. They're they're seeing people do things. And, and I think internally they feel like they want to 
have that same same element for their kids or for their families and so I think they feel internally like a failure if they're not able to do that so as opposed to again being more moderate about it or appreciating what they do have it's just like well hey that's what a credit card's for that's what this is for so now let's just go and do it or or let me go refinance the house and get some more money and whatever and then we can make that trip or we can do this big event or whatever and Again, it's just it can be mind boggling that the the things that people are willing to do to um, maintain this image of what we feel like we want to see, you know, we want others to see and we want our families to feel because we don't want to disappoint them or we don't want to let them down or we don't want to feel like that, that they are going without. But that's the whole part of the even the struggle there, too, is like, you know, when our kids, you know, one of the things in the the Time Magazine article is like, you know, the teens of today are kind of seen as more fragile. They're less resilient. Well, part of that lack of resilience is is due to the fact that they don't ever have to feel like that they are going without something or what it's like to work for something or what it's like to really put in the time to make something happen. Because if everything just sort of happens for them, you know, it's like, hey. I want to go on this trip. Okay, we're going on this trip. Or, hey, I want those new shoes. Okay, here's the new shoes. Or, hey, I'd like to go to private school. Okay, here's private school. Like, if there's no sense of challenge behind anything, then they're not building that sense of resilience. And so when tough things come at them, yeah, they're going to fold because they they don't know what that's like to kind of exercise that muscle. Um, or even when they're inundated with things themselves on social media, it's like, hey, this sucks or this, you know, I don't like the way that I'm feeling. So it's almost like, well, what can take it away? Or what's the easiest thing to take it away versus how can I work on this? Or what do I need to do to kind of make this better? And so, you know, it's just this vicious cycle that goes on that we kind of like, you know, pass down to our kids by giving them everything. And that's a whole nother subject. But again, some of this is just perpetuated by, by, by social media and kind of what it's doing for us or doing to us. Um, so anyway, so kind of back to this, this mail that comes into my office or they see, you know, so it's like basically the wife, the kids, they're having fun, enjoying life. Meanwhile, dad is increasingly depressed, miserable, um, while, you know, you know, he tries to kind of provide the life for his kids that he really can't afford. Now, what's the outcome to this? Well, the outcome can vary. I mean, I've seen where the outcome, you know, results in suicide, um, which is a travesty, a devastation for a family to deal with. Um, I've also seen it where, you know, the dominoes, the, the dominoes kind of fall apart. Things come out. Houses get foreclosed on because, oh, wait a second, the house got refinanced. Well, how did the ha- house get refinanced? I didn't sign the papers or I didn't sign the free financing papers. Oh, well, I forged your name on those papers because I wanted to do this for our family. So you have deceit. You have now this big sense of betrayal you have no home now um and you know meanwhile so this thing that you were trying to conserve and preserve this family that you were trying to give everything to now has nothing and now in some cases you don't have them because now it's like this betrayal happens and whether the wife was a part of that or not or whether she drove some of that or not she's going to still feel betrayed and so the likelihood of her staying with you is probably not that high. So so now I've lost everything and now I've got to deal with the the results of that. So, you know, definitely it can, 
it can end in bad places, you know, as we kind of go down this rabbit hole um, that's, you know, sometimes starts with social media. And so anyway, um, so you might be thinking there, okay, well, what's the solution to this? Or how do we overcome this? Well, some of it obviously has to do with vulnerability and the ability to be honest, because if we're in something already, we have to find a way out. And the only way to find a way out is we have to be open about where we're at and how we feel and kind of the pressures that we might feel about living up to this lifestyle or being a certain way. And and obviously, this is a tough sell for most men, you know, that I deal with, you know, the idea of being vulnerable, the idea of admitting that maybe they're not um, in a place of success that they'd like to be that's a real challenge for them and you know and so then getting to that place where you kind of help them to feel that vulnerability and being open is is a good thing is great as long as it can be received well but sometimes when they get themselves geared up to be vulnerable the reception that they get from their spouse isn't always good and that can be for a couple reasons one it can be because hey you know, now you're dropping this bomb on me that life isn't what it is. And now I've got to kind of deal with that. But also, it can also be on the more selfish side. Well, hey, I want this life. Why can't we have it? So if the spouse kind of responds like that, it can really send the individual kind of retreating back into this place. Well, you know, she wants this life and she doesn't seem to kind of be interested in the idea, you know, and kind of the realities of things. So I guess we kind of just have to keep doing it, which again, is you know really a difficult place because now now what are your options now okay i've tried being vulnerable and open and that didn't work and now you're saying you kind of want this life and so it can just perpetuate that problem even more so even though i you know we obviously have to be vulnerable we have to be open about things we have to be able to talk about them with our spouses but we also have to from the spouse's side be realistic about where we're at too and not be driven by these desires of you know these images of social media and kind of what that brings as far as our own needs and wants and and being able to kind of live outside our means and want things that maybe we can't afford so we have to be realistic about where we're really at and be willing to kind of own that too so you know all in all there's a couple different parts obviously you know as far as kind of looking at social media as a whole um, again there's good in it there's value in it there's things that we can really gain from it you know i know for me personally you know living away from family it's a good way to stay connected with family you know you send pictures you do things you you know you you kind of keep up to date you know with with people in that way and that that can be a really great thing now am i guilty of you know maybe getting caught up into that or kind of wishing that hey that that's a cool trip i wish yeah i mean i think we all have that kind of in, innate kind of thing that sort of hooks us at times where we feel that sense of I wish or I'd like to, but obviously how we deal with that, it, it's up to us. You know, do we kind of feel like, well, if I can't do that, that makes me a failure or do I just, like Bill Murray says in the quote, do I just try to appreciate what I do have and focus in on that? Um, you know, because, and, and, that, and that's the thing too, I, I also want to it to be clear from a social media standpoint Look, when I when I post things on social media, I don't do it with the intent of trying to, you know, create a perfect life. You know, my son strikes out all the time. I don't post those things, but, you know, I post when he gets a hit or when he strikes somebody out or when he makes a nice play. But he has his fair share of strikes outs. He has his fair share of failures. That happens. That's a reality. That's those are the things behind those pictures. It's like even people on vacation 
they're not always that happy. They're happy in that moment, but that doesn't mean there's not other things going on in their lives. And I think we can't lose sight of that, that that life is not just, that's one part of it. That's, you know, and again, you know, we don't even know what they did to get on that trip. You know, we don't know if the husband, you know, put out a whole new credit card. We don't even know if they can afford that, but we fall in love with the image or we fall in love with the ideal and then it finds us wanting the same thing or wishing that we had the same thing. And so we just got to remember that, that that too is that there's a lot of reality out there that's not really real. It's a lot of just kind of, you know, kind of creating stuff that maybe doesn't always exist in the way that it's seen through social media. So that's one aspect is we got to kind of put our reality lens on and see that not everything is the way that it's appeared. And then like Bill Murray said in his quote, I think we also have to do a better job of focusing on the good within us, appreciating the positives that we that we have currently and trying to focus in on that. And I think as we model that to our kids and help them to see that then that gives them a better sense of, you know, not only just reality, but a better sense of like them being able to say, hey, you know, yeah, I can see these pictures or I can see these things on Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat. And I don't have to just think that that's the way that things are. I can, I can basically see that, you know what, there's there, you know, life isn't just a, an image or a picture on Snapchat or Facebook or whatever, that there's more to it than that. And so when we have those discussions with them, you know, hopefully we can, you know, bring them into that understanding, but also at the same time, giving them a sense of maybe resilience in their life by helping them to realize that, hey, we have to work for things in life. We have to kind of deal with things on a more, you know, day-to-day basis rather than just kind of always in this fantasy realm of like, you know, trips and ideals and whatever some of these images kind of portray. And, you know, as we do that, we can definitely, you know, help them along the path. Obviously, the other thing is, too, is that we can also just manage, you know, the amount of time that they're on social media. I mean, going back to Colin Karchner, um, who you can follow on Instagram, and he's got a, a page and a following for that. And, you know, just some of the things he talks about is that just limiting that in general is a good thing because, again, it helps them to, again, be more in reality rather than just kind of spending so much time in fantasy. So, you know, all in all, you know, again, there's the good, there's the bad, and there's the ugly with social media. You know, hopefully we can try to take more time to focus on the good parts of it, um, use it for good things, um, try to keep a balanced perspective with it, and keep in reality this idea that the things that we see aren't always just, you know, what they appear to be. A lot of times there's there's lots of heartache behind those smiles, you know, in many situations. And like I've, like I've said, with, you know, a lot of the, the, the men that I see that are drowning themselves in debt and depression and substance use because they're trying to cope with the feelings that they have as a result of not, I mean, obviously they're trying to give their families what they want, but they're doing it at the expense that they can't really afford it. And so it's, it's putting them in, in quite a hole. So anyway, that's my topic for today. Um, hopefully we can be more responsible about our social media and use it in an appropriate way, but also really just try to focus on what's good in our lives. Let's let's really take a step back and, and try to appreciate what we have and really make an effort to do that. And I know that as we do that, we'll find more happiness in our lives. We'll be better equipped at dealing with some, you know some difficult things but really we'll just be happier as we as we appreciate what we do have so that's the episode for today thanks for tuning in and i'll see you next time